Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. This is just to let you know that the Cinema Catch-Up Club has an official Patreon page. If you'd like to become an official member of the club and get some bonus goodies, including early access material and bonus features only available to our patrons, then please join up at patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. And now... For this week's episode. Ready, just in case. <clears throat> All about Eve. <laughs> testing, testing, one, two, three. Uh, how can I follow <laughs> that? I just. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome. To the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, it's all about Eve, because we're watching All About Eve from 1950. So why are we watching it? Because it's turning 70 years old. What is All About Eve? I just really like saying this film title for some reason. Uh, Joining me, as always, we have someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film and joining us for the first time as an officially graduated certificate in her hand doctor, Dr. Ellen Sears. Hi. (laughs) Thank you. That is the appropriate response. How are you, Dr. Ellen? Um, Very tired, Mm. but good. I just had a birthday and then a graduation and I'm getting married in a couple of weeks. You're getting married in a couple of weeks? I am. Who to too? you. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> oh, Ooh, nobody. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. Nino. Spoilers indeed. Okay. Um, well, yeah. So it's been a, it's been a, it's been a busy time. So yeah, I got to do my walk across the stage this week. I got my funny hat. It was very nice. Mm. Do you keep the funny hat? No. Oh. I mean, you can, you can buy the regalia. Mm. Um, but there's not much point unless you're going to be going to graduations like all the time. And honestly, they're pretty boring. Mm. The like pre drinkies and canapes and stuff is quite nice, especially when you get to PhD level because you get to go into like the fancy VOP area mm-hmm. and they have all like fancy scallops and stuff. Mm. So that was nice. I can confirm this as I was there as well and it was delicious. But you didn't need any scallops because you don't like. I don't like seafood, seafood. but there were other, <laughs> other delicious foods were also available. Dr. Ellen, yeah. <laughs> you have not seen All About Eve. No. What do you know about it? Uh, it's from 1950. It's mm-hmm. called All About Eve. I'm presuming there's a main character in it called Eve, who's mm-hmm. a lady. Uh, that's about it. Okay. So basically everything I just said in the intro. That's, yeah, that's pretty it. much. That's cool. pretty much it. I have no concept of what, it, what this film is well, at all. That's fantastic uh, because <laughs> that's, that's what this program is about. <laughs> if you've got no it. idea, uh, all the better. Well, luckily for you and for me, because I also haven't seen this film. Oh. Uh, joining us is someone who has. Uh, last time he was on this program, we were talking about one of his films. Now he's back to talking about everybody else's. It's uh, director Robert Woods. Hello. Robert. Robert. I think I'm much more qualified to talk about other people's films. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, You you certainly do look a fair bit more comfortable not being grilled about every creative decision. (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Yes, uh, the director of an ideal host uh, and proving to be a very ideal host today for this uh, recording, um, inviting us into his home and feeding us Japanese food. Yes. (laughs) Very much appreciated. Rob. You have seen All About Eve. I have. What can you tell us about it in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way? It will be very vague because I saw it when I was young. (laughs) Like, a very long time ago. So, in a vague, non-spoilery way, here's what I remember about it. Okay. Um, Bette Davis and Hollywood 
Bitchery. That's cool. basically it. Is Hollywood Bitchery another actor, or is that? Because <laughs> it sounds In like nineteen fifties. It. it could be. It's 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 a it's a it's a very Forty um, Second Street oh. uh, kind of backstage yes. oh. bitchiness um, between uh, rival actresses. Between or something? Ra- rival actresses, yes. Oh, say mm. no more. All right. Well, if it's uh, anything like Forty Second Street, like I'm 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 there. Well, with that being said, shall we watch All About Eve? Let's do it. I'm excited. All right. For those of you listening at home, pop in those DVDs and fasten those seatbelts because it's going to be a bumpy night as we watch All About Eve. We have just finished watching All About Eve. And by we, I of course mean Mr. Robert Woods. Hello! And Dr. Ellen Sears. Hello. Uh, Dr. Ellen, that was your first time watching All About Eve. What did you think? Um, it was interesting. It was very long. Um, but I feel like that's kind of typical of the time. It was very kind of like slow, like putting a puzzle together, you know. Like, it was a long, drawn-out sort of thing. And I think part of that is just because movies now, a lot of them are just like, bum, 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 just throwing things at your face every five seconds. So, comparatively, it felt very, like, slow going. Um, but, yeah, it was interesting. I spent most of it waiting for um, waiting for the character of Eve to just, like, unhinge her jaw like some kind of, you know, <laughs> monster snake woman and just eat somebody yeah she's very unsettling in this um how, yeah. how quickly was she unsettling for you it took a little bit of time partially because she had especially at the beginning it was that whole oh i'm like a very earnest like person from the 1950s like that kind of vibe that you get that that like ingenue character that you get in a lot of things from this time period from the 1940s where they're just like well i do too you know like and I'm not entirely sure when that tipped over into, no, she's actually terrifying. I think it was about the time that she moved in with Margot. And then it started to get a bit like, she's a little bit like too intense. Like a little bit too intense. Yeah, and like, it's a little bit scary. She's not blinking. She's organizing your yeah. life. She's like a, a human Amazon, Amazon Echo. Like she's just yeah. someone that you shout things. Go out of me toilet paper. Of course. Like yeah. that kind of she, thing. She is the Amazon Alexa of her day. Yeah. <laughs> like just terrifying. And just like, is there anything else I can do for you? Like, no, please go. Well, you've already read my mind. Please yeah. go away. Um, Rob, when did you last watch this film? Oh my god! I it would have been at least two decades ago. Wow. Yeah. Um, as you can probably tell from from my intro, I I misremembered it as being in set in Hollywood, but it was set in New York in theatre, not in movies at all. There was a lot of talk about Hollywood though, so I could see how that misremembering yeah. would happen. But also, I um, <laughs> them them. Uh, Casting a lot of shade on television. Yeah, well. casting yeah. a lot of shade on television yeah. and on film, yeah. which is fine yeah. considering it's a film. Yeah. Do you have to audition for television? Television is just auditions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I do have to say, I really enjoyed this film. Um, just straight off the bat, I'm going to say that I, I really enjoyed it, and I think part of it is that this is this is a very, very witty 
script. It's very dry. Yeah. It's very and dry. it's very subtle. I feel like I need I would need to watch it again to get some of the jokes. Mm. Because there's some things that I'm sure that just work right off the top of my head. And there's a lot of stuff I think that's very specific to the time period. I was gonna say there's a lot of uh pop culture references that were yeah. contemporary yeah. to the time that yeah, I was there's like, a couple oh, that yeah, stick out that's, sure. a, that's a name and some I of them I absolutely picked up on most of yeah. the ones that related to like musical theatre I picked up yeah. on like they had Dal <laughs> Swell playing in the background at one point and I was singing along like I know this song mm. um, they had like Blue Moon playing in another part they had um, all of Cold Porter yeah no no and that's and that's the thing as well you know like they were they were making reference we were talking about oh you know like would she have known about South Pacific I'm like well yeah the musical had already come out at this point so technically yes yeah um, and what was the other one there was another musical I can't remember what it was you sort of described it as like 42nd Street it, mm. it kind of is except if like <laughs> it's it's the it's the but if Peggy Sawyer was like a psychopath it's well, it feels like the um, the David Fincher version of like it's the the yeah. cynical. I, I think it's yeah. cynical satire yeah. version. Not. I wish I was in the show with you, which is what Forty Second Straight is, which is just yeah. like, oh, everything's so wholesome and lovely, and you know, I get the part. Yay! I think All About Eve could take place on the corner of 42nd Street and Sunset Boulevard. Yes. Like, that's, oh my God. That's because yeah. ca- oh I was getting God. big old Sunset yeah, Boulevard. Yeah, same. Vibes. Yeah. Yeah, um, same. Like Norma Desmond's not, not quite the same level of insanity as Norma. Like basically it's like if Norma Desmond split into two characters, mm. like Margot, who is the crazy one. Mm. And then the other one, who's the psychopath. Yeah. So, so Margot is <laughs> the one that's got all the hurt. Of yes. like the aging process. Of the aging yeah. process. But, but Eve is the one that is like yeah. just the ambition distilled yeah. into a single person. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I really enjoyed seeing how Eve and Margot. I, I, I was going to say bounced off each other, but it's not. It's not even so much like a, a, a bouncing. I feel as though it just it, to me this was like watching two hours of like you know when like a. It was like watching a fly land on a web and a spider slowly eat it for two hours. Except you think that the spider is initially a fly and the fly is the spider. Yeah. And then by it's, then it, yeah. you're like, oh, they were all reversed. Yeah. yeah. The, spy, the, the fly was actually like hiding. Yeah. It was a wolf in sheep's clothing all along. Yes. No, yeah, it's like, oh there is There is a lot of talk of lambs. Yeah, there And there's is. a lot of talk of... Cat and mouse. Of, um, Cat and mouse first. and rats. And furs, yeah. Furs, yeah. And I thought that was intentional. Yeah, um, well, I'm guessing yeah. so. It's it's just really intriguing. Even though I, I felt as a first time watcher in in 2020 that I knew reasonably early on that I mean partly because it's called all about Eve that this was about Eve replacing Margot. Hmm. I didn't know if it was going to be successful or like if she was going to succeed. Um, and in a way she does and she doesn't and i think that's the really fascinating thing she she... it's that self-perpetuating cycle which is then evidenced by um phoebe who then comes at the end Mm. and is doing the same things that eve did but eve isn't Mm. really picking up on it because she has now taken on the margot role Mm. so the idea is that it's that cycling through of like this is a self-fulfilling prophecy it's just gonna keep happening but margot didn't lose in a, in a no, sense. she got she, a she got a she got a husband, so she gets to be happy now because yeah. it's nineteen fifty, yeah. and that's well, all you need in life. But but in you terms can retire of, and become a wife, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> obviously, it's framed in a very sort of conservative American sort of ideal. Nineteen fifties like, America, yeah. But she was someone who 
was in a situation where she had love in terms of that love with Bill, mm. but her place in the theatre and her being Margot Channing, her being the celebrity was 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 crippling her. It was poisoning her. It, yeah. you know, it was making her paranoid, as Bill was being said. Paranoid and, and, and actually jealous. And... Paranoid in some cases quite correctly because yeah. Eve was a psychopath. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there but, is that. But like <laughs> she she made the choice yeah, much she... to Karen's giggling relief that she was going to to not pursue yeah. the career that she was going to to let it go to Eve essentially let her yeah. she went out on her own terms yeah and and even though she was gently to, nudged to towards the door yeah. yeah she was like I'm gonna own this and yeah. go for it but she, she was someone who was unhappy and I think ends the film closer to finding that happiness yeah and I think I, I, you know, I, I, I don't really want to kind of, I don't think it jibes with my, my general worldview of being like, no, you, you got married and now you're happy lady. Like, I don't, oh, I don't. it's like Shakespeare plays, you know, it's, yeah. it's, you got married, now you're never going to speak ever again. Yeah. But I, I was, <laughs> I was pleased that Margot didn't end the film, like, lying in a gutter going, it should have still been me. Like that, that kind yeah. of thing, which I feel is I'm the more stereotypical close up Mr. DeMille like <laughs> well yeah exactly uh, you it, know like yeah I, yeah so I I really like that I really like the fact that Margot and Bill actually finished sort of got like a bit of a happy ending a bit of, like yeah. they actually it was like these two are actually it's like um, it's like Karen said she was like you know those two will die without each other like they need each other hmm. so I think it's kind of nice that they got to be with each other in the end yeah I think Karen is really fascinating. One thing we were saying when we finished watching this film, mm. um, just before we turned on the mics, was that this is obviously a very female-led film in in terms of the the story and the performances. Yeah, where even the key male characters don't say a lot. I just remember that's <laughs> yeah. how it was advertised because I I had I watched the <laughs> I watched the trailer for this mm. again in preparation, and it is all about women. And mm. their men is mm. like the tagline. And interestingly, because like you know, in that first big ballroom scene where they've got all of the people there and whatever else, I, you know, I find in a lot of old films, a lot of the time it's like there are a lot of men in background shots and a lot of men. Yeah. But it was a very even, and I thought there was actually more women mm. in a lot of the shots in the background yeah. in those big ballroom scenes than there were men, which I was like, oh. And I think it's interesting. Kind of nice. That mm. the role of men in this film is largely perfunctory in terms of. They're window dressing. Well, they're they're more, they are tools with which the characters of Eve, Margot and Karen, to an extent, utilise to try and enact their will. And really, Addison kind of throws in a real spanner in the works in the third act by having agency. But that's just because he's... He's the only one that... He figures it out. He he figures it out because Mm. he's an even bigger bastard than Eve is. It was essentially like, you know, you you come for the king, you best not miss, essentially. Yeah. Um, And that scene where he's hit her and she's on the bed because the ruse is up and she's crying and he's explaining exactly everything that she's done. It felt like... It felt like some like dark lord talking to some apprentice. You know, it felt like Palpatine <laughs> talking to Vader, just being like, "Now listen to me. You will do everything I say." Yes, that was a stupid thing that you did, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah, like, like <laughs> you're a stupid girl. Yeah, yes, I am. it like, felt like that, yeah. but then with all the obviously other horrible overtones of um, 
of of of, of a man uh, abusing a woman or beginning what would be quite an abusive relationship. A controlling kind yeah. of yeah, like yeah. I I own Ownership. you. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. He says I own you. Yeah. yeah. You know, like. Basically, it's that idea of, I know all of your secrets, and if I expose you, you're stuffed. And he suddenly becomes Captain Gaslight, where he's like, that instinct that told you not to touch the phone, use it. Oh, that was my favourite. Oh, it was awful. I was like, oh, God, no. But the thing is, is we've known throughout pretty much the entire film that DeWitt is a real bastard. Yeah. Like the, the the fact, but he's a theatre critic, so we're all just like, theatre critics. As soon as he introduces a theatre critic, and then the bit where um, she's sort of trying to like, charm him and she's like there in just her towel like I'm gonna go and start the shower now and I'm like it's not working he's already figured yeah, you out you he's, idiot yeah he's yeah. already he's, like oh the Schubert theatre is heavy. that the one Definitely. yeah yeah the Schubert theatre there is no Schubert theatre in San Francisco like, yeah and I think that's really interesting that like I, I felt like she I, just I, needed I, a Google search I, I, well there was no Google in I know I know our sort of cultural understanding of where theatre critics fit into these type of narratives um, and as someone that has worked and will hopefully continue to work in theatre. I am just going to say here right now that theatre critics are lovely people. Uh, They're very important for the ecology of the theatre. And they are very important people. But in terms of how they are portrayed in film and in plays and in other things, like the the, the food critic in Ratatouille, the critic is always a character who is there to cause issues, to put grist in the mill. Yeah, to make um, it so the, the show isn't going to go on because they've given you a bad review or like whatever. Like that's yeah. always the thing in your big backstage themes. I think backstage be- musicals backstage because Dewitt was the yeah. theatre critic. My reading of it, I wasn't expecting that third act reveal mm. because I felt as though his sort of more negative traits were tied into his job than who he was. Right. And then it was like, oh no, he's actually just a jerk yeah, as well. And I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed mm. as well as hating him. I really enjoyed his reveal as being like the the villain. Yeah, right. I I yeah, I I just Is was... he a villain though? But do you think do you think the film mm. for for Eve, let's talk about because it's all about Eve. Mm. Is is this but a is, happy ending because But is it though because there's a lot of it that's from sort of from her perspective but a lot more of it is from Margot's perspective. Oh, yes, perspective. because or from the Karen's thing that I I I remembered more I always remembered it more uh, about Betty Davis. Mm. Mm. From my memories of it, it was like this, it was it was she's her very film. captivating. Mm. It was it was her film, and she's the yeah. one I remembered from it. Um, and that's because the Eve character is playing such a mouse, cat and mouse game. Yeah, for for so long, yeah, for such a long time. Mm. Um, and it's her job to fool the audience as well. Mm. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I yeah, I I mean, I, I would say that Eve is the antagonist. Mm. But mm. I would, I would also say that I think this is the thing that's really good about it. No one character is either just a victim or just a rescuer or just a persecutor. Mm. Um, they 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 switch. They have these moments um, of being it's in a positive like, light and being like in a negative humans light. Humans are like flawed and complex what? creatures, and yeah. not just characters. <laughs> but, but that's just it. Like one Eve, defining character trait. Like I felt a bit sorry for Eve at the end because she was trapped. But then I was like, but she's trapped because she put herself in the trap. Like she, yeah. she went. She had ambition and she went for power, and she's got it. But she's shed those things she's that, that um, Margot talks about in the car. You know of. You know, you shed all of these things to get where you are, but at the end of the day, you're a, you are going you're a woman, and you are going to have to be a woman, and you're going to need some of those things to live the rest of your life. Mm. Mm. I really love 
the way the film ends with such triumphant music mm-hmm. swelling mm-hmm. and um, uh, the idea of this like of the accolades and success but mm. that subtext but at of what cost of uh, mm. of total like ruin and despair is just mm. there yeah. and and just that 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 beautiful shot of Phoebe with all the mirroring and yes the incredible amount of light it would have taken as you were saying Rob to oh yeah to Such get that deep shot focus so clear the lenses they had by then. Oh. I think it's a beautifully shot film. It is, but I felt like that shot just really encapsulated oh, yeah. that kind of like very there's a million eves out there, or that feeling that 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 Twilight Zone feeling that essentially all yeah. actors are robots. Basically, it was such a great ending to mirror Eve's beginning. Well, mm. I think if you think about um, Betty Davis's big first monologue is about about the autograph hunters mm. yeah about that they're not even real people mm. that and then one comes into her life and then at the end we see another one basically and this this progression mm. um there's from a million of them all reflected and there's back. and it's just like this satire of celebrity culture and mm. and stardom and, and mm. wanting fame uh, it's it's kind of portrayed as a kind of sinister it is thing can, in, I mean, in this film i mm. mean and i mean look i feel like it's still sinister and terrifying today if you look at celebrity culture now arguably it has only gotten worse it's terrifying mm. as, yeah. as, as somebody who has actually done stage door stuff in new york only only for one show because we were like Let's not alexander do yeah it was for hamilton <laughs> um but that was partially because we were like this is a historic show it's a big like yeah. It's a big cultural phenomenon. We would like to go and like talk to the people but and you maybe felt get some signatures. Yes. But we didn't go to any of the other ones. But so But you felt that pull once and you have that understanding. Yeah, for and sure. Look, look, I and look, I think we've all had that moment of being like, There's somebody famous, oh my gosh. Like yeah. have you yeah. had that moment, Rob? Like what, what like a like waiting have you, have you to see like a famous person. Have you met like a celebrity person? and just been like ah. Um Oh, I, I, I don't think I've I've met face to face any any super famous people no i mean i've not seen even, them i've not, been not, in the room with people but not even like super famous just like anybody who you're like oh my god um i'm sure there would be many mm. yeah well i, I can imagine. i mean i, I can share I've the fact that them, as um uh, about 10 years ago i went i i had the briefest interaction with um, former Manchester United and England striker Wayne Rooney, um, where I <laughs> knew that he was going to be... I, I was in England on holiday, um, as, as you do. You go to Manchester for your holiday when you're from there. And there was a <laughs> there was a, um, a signing that he was doing that day at, like, the, the shop that's connected to the club stadium. And it was... For, it, yeah, it was for Twice. a competition that, um, that Thanks, happened... Steve. It was for a competition that happened like weeks before we got there, so like the, the there was no way of me actually getting to meet him through that. But there was like a walkway entryway, and when we turned up to do like a stadium tour, we were like, "Oh, Wayne Rooney's going to be here in like twenty minutes." So we waited in that bit because we knew that he'd probably be walking down that bit, and sure enough, he did. And I got to shake hands with him. He didn't stop walking like it was like you know there were a couple of people there, and he shook hands. But I did that. Like, I, like I, I've had that that moment again of being like, "Oh my God, it's Wayne Rooney! He scores goals!" Like that kind of thing. I, well, I, I mean, honestly, I'm thinking about times I've seen plays with famous people in them, and, mm-hmm. and 
or been at film premieres with people and I, I honestly I avoid them <laughs> I, I'm like oh it, that it seems embarrassing to me mm. <laughs> no I t- I mean it's yeah like a, I, I'm like I, I don't, I don't want to be a bother I don't want to I want to. No, I would, like, I don't, I, yeah. I'm not. I don't think I'd be that person that would cross the road if I saw someone famous and, and like. We saw somebody. Or... We saw somebody who looked like Toby Jones in uh, London last, last year, and, and we, we were like, we were like, we, we may have, we may have followed him for two minutes trying to figure out if it was Toby Jones. <laughs> I don't think it was. It, we figured out it wasn't because we googled Toby Jones and realised that this man had a smaller bald patch. <laughs> uh, Jesus. But, it, I mean, okay. Ah, oh, that's celebrity culture right there. That's yeah. terrifying. The fact that we yeah. could Google it and find out the shape of his bald that's what, patch. I think, like, like celebrity culture now is quite different because For because sure. of things like Instagram and, and Twitter yeah. and stuff. There's, they're more accessible. They are more accessible. Yeah, and For sure. there's more of an idea that, um, that celebrities, especially now with COVID and we're seeing them all doing Zoom interviews and we're seeing yeah. their houses mm. and we're seeing yeah. into their, their homes and stuff and like, oh, they're, they're just like us. And like, mm. that's always we just been... With millions always been of mantra, dollars. But, yeah. but I feel like in in the golden age of Hollywood, yeah. celebrities and the lifestyle and with the, the tabloid magazines and stuff, they were removed mm. so much more from... Yeah. Society. From the normal Which, plebs that would go and yeah. fall out to see them. Yeah. And I think as well, so that idea of being quite removed from their fans and like, you know, being kept separate, whereas now obviously... A lot of celebrities engage a lot more, and a lot of them actually get their celebrity from engaging mm. with fans. You look at people like the Kardashians, yes. just as an example, who are like spruiking products to their fan bases and you know whatever else. That's very different to somebody like, mm. well, like you know a lot of a lot of your kind of golden age actors. If you're looking at people like Betty Davis, like mm. Marilyn Monroe, who's in this, who we haven't talked about yet, and we should because mm. she's great in this. Um, but yeah, how kind of removed they were from mm. their fans comparatively. So yeah, it's really interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, just the disdain that Betty Davis has at the start of the film for her fans compared to what I think about yeah. now, like people are like made or broken by their fans. Like they. Mm. I mean, yeah. And people are fighting to get fans, to get subscribers and followers, and yeah. and mm. to get numbers. That, yeah. yeah, it's. It, I think it is fascinating, but again, it's. It's a change which has been brought about through where... Social media. Well, where societies are, where yeah. technology is. Like, part of me is going like, yeah, you never saw Betty Davis or Gregory Peck, like, you know, going, uh, I love using Daz detergent, hashtag ad. Like, they never did that. But they probably would have done. Yeah. Were yeah. they, they either alive today. commercials. They yeah. yeah. And they still had paparazzi didn't... chasing after them. Yeah. They were still getting printed in tabloid magazines mm. and things like that. I think it's just more prevalent now. Yeah. It's, but I, th- I think there's just a larger industry around it. Oh yeah, um, sure. Because they realised there was money in it. Well, and because there's more people, there's more yeah. people around, therefore more people to know about the and people who are celebrities. And yeah, you can push for that. And so there, there are more avenues for notability um, because of that. Mm. Um, speaking of notable people, we, let's talk about Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe's in this film. She's she is. great. Oh my god. She's. She- only in it for a little bit. She's but... only in it for a little bit, but what a great bit part. Mm. Yeah, it's, this it's is... got, it's, she's got some great lines as well. She has got mm. some great lines. And she's so funny because like she'll say a thing and she just it'll just be like, 
oh, like, thank you for my drink or whatever it was that she says. And he's like, oh, I forgot I had it. She's like, I didn't. And they're all like, oh, that was amazing. Like, well done. You know, you're going to you're gonna <laughs> go far with that kind of a yeah. thing. And I was just like, oh, and she's so little. And yeah, so she's, she's, she's like, 24 oh, when this film was released. She's so little. Yeah. It's, it's almost still typecast as the, the blonde. The dumb shell. blonde, yeah. yeah. But... Like a little bit ditzy. She she kind yeah. of reminded me a little bit of like like a like a nineteen fifties Paris Hilton type. <laughs> yeah. Like slightly airheady mm, kind yeah. of like it's still Oh like, I'm just gonna do this thing and then all the men are going to love me. Mm, but, yeah. but also she's playing the game. Like because we I know, know that there is a game. At, in le- yeah, at least we know her agency in this one and it's it's yeah. it's a very purposeful yeah. <laughs> yeah. game that she's playing. And yeah. it's it's and when contrasted to what Eve's doing. It's really intriguing because you have um, Claudia Caswell is her character. And what Claudia is doing is sort of what I suppose is the more commonly known uh, trope of of how a, an actress gets big in Hollywood. Flirting her way to the top. Yeah. Whereas... Or sleeping her way to the top, as it were. Not that that's really implied. Oh, I think it's implied. Sort of implied. Yeah. yeah like... I think it's 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 implicit in, in, mm. in there. But, I th- but the film doesn't focus on that. It focuses yeah. on this... this cuckoo method that um that eve is doing well, where she's in the nest and I she hatches like, and takes over yeah eve is like she's trying a parasitic to, louse she's trying to do it do call without burning bridges along the way she's trying to keep everyone i want to be friends her. with everybody um everybody likes me but also backstab them at the same everybody time everybody loves me <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, is that not just the entertainment industry in America? Like, just... Well, I mean... No, it's a metaphor for capitalism. That too. Yeah. I mean, look... I mean, look, yeah. yeah. I think the fact is that this... this, The the fact that it can be a metaphor for so many things is reflective. I'm fresh fresh off a PhD where I was looking at, like, disruptive, like, how musical theatre dance can be used to, like, mess with people's heads. So, like... Yeah, like I'm full bottle on all this. Kind of <laughs> <Love> <laughs> it hurts me deeply. Um, Talk to me about your PhD. <laughs> oh no, we'll be here all yeah. night. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a separate episode. That's on that the, is a separate episode. We the... we should just do like an episode where you and I and Sarah just go. Ah, well, we've got a few PhD. We'll do, we'll do a PhD catch up club where we review. <laughs> our, yes. Where we review our exegesis. Oh someone who's read it and someone who hasn't. Oh my god. And it, no Amazing. one will listen because it's a very boring idea. <laughs> I mean, look, our PhDs are very interesting. That's at true. least because they're all like theatre-based stuff. Well, I think they're interesting. Mm. Anyway. Ah, the theatre. The theatre. Yeah. Theater. I don't think the theatre comes off very well in this film, but no. I also think it doesn't care. Like, I don't think the people <laughs> in this would, wouldn't care what you thought about the theatre. The I love the theatre anyway, so... Pfft. The yeah. hallowed grounds. You could just feel it. Oh, you? within five minutes. It was like, and now we're quoting Shakespeare. I was like, okay. Here's I really I'm... loved in the opening monologue where he's like, he's he's talking and you don't need to hear what he's saying right now because it's so boring. Can it's we so please boring. talk actually about the multiple narration? Mm. Because yeah. like, I, I, I was always taught. You shouldn't do that. That. Not that it's a rule that you shouldn't do it, but that, like, it seems to be, like, lazy writing to just have multiple narrators just express their thoughts. <laughs> the bit where Karen is, like, painting the thing and then is having a think. And every time she, like, has a thought occur, her, like, posture changes. It's like, oh, it's no. like It's like, was yes. somebody just reading this out? 
must have been. Wow, while she was doing the movement. So, when I was watching it, all oh. I could think of was like the people that remove the voiceover from Scrubs or remove the voiceover from like the, the ones that uh, yeah. sitcoms that rely heavily on, on voiceover and mm-hmm. you just watch them sit there and think. Amazing. For a while, and it's just the weirdest, awkward thing Amazing. ever. And I was just yeah. watching this, imagining it without the voiceover. Mm. And would you be able to tell what yeah. she's, what, what's going on? And yeah, it's, it's like reading uh, those comics of Garfield where they remove Garfield. Oh, and I it's love just it. John staring you know, at space. You, and you know what it would have been replaced with in a silent film? Would have been like a title card with like, oh, this and da da da, and mm. like the thoughts or yeah. whatever was going on. So it's interesting. Mm. It, uh, I, I thought it was. Uh, was well, confusing at times because the voices were relatively distinct, but it took me a bit of time to be like, oh, we've got like multiple characters here. Okay. Yeah. I, I think the use of multiple narrators works really well because they've established, uh, there's two films that this film reminded me of that we've covered recently. The recalling of the events of the story from an event at the end of the narrative is very much like Chariots of Fire, where it's the funeral of the, one of the, the athletes, mm. um, except that this was interesting and Chariots of Fire wasn't. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, um, just to, yeah. It's not the lowest ranked film though, is it? No, no, it's not. But, it's not. <laughs> but, but I felt as though this film was, was like a more interesting way of telling that story. I think, that it, I think the, that's a trope and, that's been, that it was done really well in And this. the fact that we had those multiple Booking characters it. that were all yeah. present at the event that we knew was coming up at the end. It was like, mm. how do they get there? Well, yeah. it was it was also that we knew that they would all be having thoughts. So, like Karen thinking, like, "Oh God, we knew this, but we didn't know that." And you know, when you hear other characters as they narrate and have these thoughts, it's like, like a, it's like a noir, almost like a yeah. detective, like and trying like, to get like, all it the does little... make it an ensemble cast, yeah. Uh, yeah, thing, and it does it does make the point of view. Does Eve more ever narrate? Observational. No, no. Well, that's no, interesting, because it's about isn't it? yeah, it's, it's not about Eve. It's yeah. not I am Eve. It's all about Eve, which I think is is really interesting that we never yeah. truly see anything from her perspective. The other multiple narrator thing it reminded me of that we've covered recently is Goodfellas, um, mm-hmm. where for a lot of that film it's narrated by Ray Liotta's character, but then Ray Liotta's wife, who I think is also called Karen in that film, yes, uh, yeah, it's another <laughs> narrating ca- these bloody Karens coming in and narrating when it's not their place to narrate. <laughs> They're just like, I'm thinking about talking to your manager. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> and this, this other Karen <laughs> character comes in and it adds this wonderful extra perspective because the film goes from being about Ray Liotta's character to being about the relationship that mm. those two characters have uh, between in, in that film, between Henry and Karen. And in this film, like as you say, between those ensemble of people of this Karen and of Margot and you know their DeWitt. their men and DeWitt and how this Eve person sort of came into their lives and threw the table in the air and all the chess pieces ended up everywhere. Mm. Multiple narration is like th- there are films that do it that I enjoy and mm. love mm. and there are films that use narration in fun and interesting ways. Um and I wonder I I I will always told to ask yourself if you're writing um, something with like uh, a bookend structure like this or with multiple narration, if you didn't have it, how would it look? And would mm. it be better or worse? I think this would be worse. Then mm. then it's a good thing. I think it would be worse. I think it would be mm, quite confusing unless it was... It, it, does... would, the, it would have to be made more explicit through the action that they were portraying. Well, what it does what is it on. immediately sets the satirical tone. Yeah. Um, mm. Right off the bat, because uh, the the jokes from Dewitt mm. coming from Dewitt at the start uh, mm. are, are what make it 
make it okay for the audience to laugh. Like, okay, this is going to be a fun romp. Mm. Um, and I think that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I think mm. that's good. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, ultimately, this is just... It's just a fun film that is also, like, a look at the destabilising nature of celebrity and yeah. the, the uh, want for power. And I, I just think it does such a marvellous job of balancing these bits. And I think the thing that, again, really helps is great performances. Um, obviously, you know, them Betty Davis eyes, Be- you see them. Beautiful costuming. Great costuming. Oh. Um, and, and That dress with the pockets and the mm, fur the on line. the pocket bits yeah. and the fur on the sleeves. I was like, mm. damn. Yep, fur is murder, but it looked great. Uh, and... <laughs> Uh, Look, the animals are all long dead by now anyway. So if there's true. any furs that still exist, and I have some vintage furs, but mm-hmm. it's like that animal was killed like 60 years ago, what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Can't resurrect it now. Uh, unless Jurassic Park is real. <laughs> then we can. No, that technology doesn't actually work. Ah, rats. <laughs> um, Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Much and all as I would love to watch dumb people get eaten by dinosaurs. Because mm. I love that film. But go re- go listen to that podcast because I'm on that one too. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, it's I, I think it's it's the dialogue and it's the it is that dry wit mm. that just makes this such a such a pleasurable look at these and awful Margo's drunk acting is so good when she's smashed at the party mm. and she's just like keep playing a sad song. Leave us <laughs> and it's like come into the come into my pantry and I'll get you some bicarbonate of soda. We're gonna put your name We're on it. We're gonna put Max. your name on it. It's gonna it. be Max's. It's the aspirin. It's the it's the cigarette in one hand, martini in the other, acting. It's my that party. It's, just like, it's my party, and I'll be drunk if I want to. Yeah, it's 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 what every every <laughs> camp man as such as myself just dies for. Um, <laughs> like, I tell yes. you what. I, yeah, I she's something got fabulous eyes. Something that I died for, uh, that I really enjoyed in the first half of the film, which I'm not sure when she left, was Birdie. Oh my god! Just this like real like. I thought it was her in the chair at the end initially, and I was like, oh man, is she here to like? Straight <laughs> <up murder?"> so you <laughs> think you can take my friend, do you? For, <laughs> no, for like a second or two, because I was trying to figure it out because my eyes are really bad, and I needed to get my prescription checked, and I was like. Looking at the reflection, because I was like, oh, there's a person in the chair. Is it Birdie? What's going on? Oh, my God. Is she going to like, get her? And then it was like, no, it's just some random yeah. chick. And I was like, oh, damn it. That would have been such a nice way to just bring it back. Mm. Like, ha you thought you'd seen the last of me? No. But I love Birdie. And I don't She's know so when she disappeared. <laughs> uh, I guess, I after, guess the party? after the party. Eve, Eve drove her out. She was yeah, like, not but, needed anymore. But we didn't have that, that thing of like Birdie going, I'm leaving. I can't believe you've been taken in. You'll, 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 you'll rue the day. Like we never had that It's moment. probably, but it, it was sort of after the party, I don't think we necessarily saw her. But then also like Margot ended up getting married anyway. I suppose, yeah. So she wouldn't necessarily need Birdie. Need a maid servant. She became to a help her with stuff. She could have a husband yeah. who could sip up the back of her dress. You know what I mean? Like, mm. Yeah, she I just, wanted to keep the home herself. It I was just her really, dream. Mm. I just really liked Birdie, and like <laughs> I liked all the characters, but Birdie was a particular favourite. Yeah. I'm gonna go stand in the bathroom and think of a reason to be in there. <laughs> just she was, she was well, and the, the dialogue is really great. Just um, a very brash character. Obviously, the line, uh, the, the big line that is most notable from this film, the. Um, uh, hold on to your... Yeah, b- buckle up or hold on to your belts. Yeah. It's okay. going to be a bumpy night. I said it perfectly It's going to be before. a bumpy ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be a bumpy... Yeah, it's... um, but, but there's lots of other wonderful, lovely, little quotable bits in here as well, which I just feel... 
I just really like that. The, the, I just really like the use of language in this yeah. film. And I think it is... Not as many pop culture references mm. as I was expecting, although there were a few things where I was like, oh, that's a lyric that's in The Lion King. Hmm? <laughs> legitimately, what was it? I can't remember. I commented on it as we went, and I was like, that's literally, a, that's literally a Lion King lyric. Okay. And there was another thing that was also another thing that I was like, that's, a, that's also in a film, like a Disney yeah. film or something like that. Or it's like a lyric that's in a show. Anyway. But yeah, there, there were some fantastic ones. Like... Um, like, uh, you know, it's about time the piano realized it was not written the concerto. Like I mean, the... <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. Um, Some really, like, ripping comebacks. Yeah. And just all, all the referencing of her Margot calling her a kid and saying, like, get her a drink, a milkshake. Like, the, just... The sass. <laughs> yeah. So much sass. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a really fun film, just from that perspective of, like, seeing I, people I feel if, it, if that other. same script was made today, the film would be a good 20 minutes shorter. For sure, yeah, yeah, yeah that, it, like that... without without cutting anything, yeah. Mm. Um, I, it's weird, but that that kind of dialogue, I feel like becomes that that very fast paced repartee yeah. these days. Um, whereas, like I said, they're just like punching this, in the face all the time one, with like do 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 do. This is this is what I would call the theatre version rather than the film version. And I mean, I feel like at this time in kind of like the development of film, it was still leaning quite heavily well, towards the, those This film techniques. does feel very, very much like a play and it's yeah. no surprise that it was it became a play because yeah. it would transfer very easily mm, for sure. in, into a play without needing to change much really at all. Yeah. Cuz like I'm trying to think about other th- and like most of like I've seen a few like just straight films from this time period, but I've watched more like of like musical theater adaptations, mm. like adaptations to the screen, especially from the forties and the, from the thirties as well. And obviously cameras were still very stationary for a lot of things because they were heavy and difficult to move around and things like that, which is why like in your thirties um, and forties, like dance films, you have that those very big stationary shots. And part of that was also because people like Fred Astaire were like, no, it has to be stationary. I want you to be able to see all my stuff. Yeah. And now you get stuff like Moulin Rouge where it's like super, super close-ups and yeah. like you don't really get to see big picture stuff at all really in terms of move, big movement pieces like that unless yeah. it's made to be like that. So I think it's interesting that it's still got that very staged feel because that then sort of starts to shift and change. It's all very set heavy. It's all it's all very... Yeah, uh... and the acting as well is very kind of like stagey. It's not Though I did like, super duper natural. They were like literally on the stage and like shouting to the rafters when they had a character at the back of the theatre and I mean yeah they're, they're yelling at each other and shouting these beautiful insults back and forth and it's like yeah you're, you're performing to the rafters literally here but it, it's fine like it makes sense because it makes scene. sense because they're big theatrical <laughs> characters and when he in goes, the theatre when he storms off the stage after he's had his big fight with Margot and he like pulls the curtain shut and then like walks out through the audience <laughs> like two seconds like, later he has to grab his coat and then has to grab his coat and he's like and then another thing like and just keeps talking and then yeah. storms out again <laughs> yeah it was a very huffy film I think oh they were uh, all very huffy yeah would you guys like some trivia I about all that you lay it on me Okay, all of this trivia is sourced from IMDb, so if it's not true, don't blame me. Uh, Betty Davis fell in love with her co-star Gary Morell um, during the shoot of this film, and the two got married a few weeks after filming was complete. They adopted a baby, who they named Margot. <laughs> that is actually amazing. Mm. Oh my gosh. They, they, I think they lasted eight years. They lasted ten years. Ten oh, years. Which, wow. funnily enough, is the length of time she talks about 
in 10 years, he'll be like not interested in me. He'll be, he'll have moved on because I'm older, like that kind of thing. Like wow. it, it basically did actually play out the way they said in the film. Terrifying. But, but yeah, um, Betty Davis did get together. Like Bill, Bill and Margot did get together in real life for, for a good decade. They were together. There you go. Um, I'm just naming the kid Margot though. That's weird. <laughs> I'm like, that. that's like, mm. yeah, you, this is how you end up with actual Eves. Like, I'm just worried <laughs> an actual Eve is going to turn up at one point and really mess things up for them. Um, upon learning that he had cast Betty Davis, one of her former directors, Edmund Golding, rang up uh, the director of this film, uh, Joseph L. Mankiewicz, and warned him, that she would grind him down into a fine powder. Wow. Uh, This was a reference to her on-set behaviour, not the least of which was rewriting her dialogue. The warning proved to be unnecessary, however, since Davis knew better than to mess with the finely tuned screenplay. Um, In fact, uh, the director, Mankiewicz, has said that he found her to be one of the most professional and agreeable actresses he ever worked with. Wow, there you go. She knew good material when she had it. Mm. And I think she didn't often get it. Just, <laughs> she, in that way, just like Margot. Mm. She moved to all the good plays. She knew it. Uh, finally, the final bit of trivia is more Betty Davis uh, real-life marriage trivia. Um, it's a lot of it. After the film's release, Betty Davis implored the director, uh, Joseph Mankiewicz, to write a sequel that would focus on the characters of Margot and Bill. Um, Many years later, after she and Gary Merrill had uh, been married and then divorced, Davis ran into Mankiewicz at a party and said to him, Joe, you can forget that sequel. I've played it and it doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which is just fabulous. Sassmeister. Oh my gosh. Um, And off screen. Yeah. On and off screen, yeah. So all that being said, it is time for us to score All About Eve. And Ellen, it was your first time watching it, so you get to go first. What are you going to give All About Eve out of 10? Um, I'm going to give it seven Betty Davis eyes out of 10. It was fine. That's too many eyes. It was, <laughs> I mean, it would have surprised me if she had opened up an extra six, just like a spider, like, uh, it was terrifying. Yeah, no, like it was fine. I wasn't like super duper blown away. I feel like I would probably need to watch it again, but I'm not also rushing. Like I want to watch this again immediately right now um i would i would honestly i would rewatch it just to be like mom sit and watch this with me and look at the pretty costumes like, mm. that would be like yeah a major part of it for me okay uh what about you rob i'll i'll give it uh six martini glasses in one hand mm. and uh cigarettes in the other mm. <laughs> martini. again Very too many dry. martini glasses and cigarettes for one hand it's just true yeah um it's a juggling act but yeah I, I, um i thought it yeah it does feel slow slow to me mm. yeah <laughs> and long it i i honestly didn't think it was it i didn't think it was that long for me i i just really enjoyed it i think the only time when i thought okay maybe you can cut this is just phoebe's scene at the end where i liked it and i liked her playing with the dress and then standing in the mirror and doing that i felt as though maybe we could have trimmed a few seconds off there and maybe a little bit at the beginning with that speech where so it's always the end, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, but like for for me, I I think there was a yeah. lot in the middle that I would have cut if I yeah was possibly, but same. I was just having a rollicking good time. Um, I I, I m- maybe this is a problem with me and not wanting to edit something down. I mean, my my maxim is always don't be longer than you are interesting when it comes to things like this. But I was interested 
right the way to the end. Um, so for me, I, I thought it was it was really good. I'm sure you could cut it and tell this just as well in like a hundred minutes. Sure. But um, but I I just really enjoyed it. It was a really just a really lovely story. So I'm gonna give it eight monogrammed baking sodas out of 10 uh, because I had a good time and I just again Betty Davis is drunk acting in, in that kitchen scene so I'm going to write your name on this Max it's yours now I was like oh we've all been there sister like ooh. Um, but yeah a really fun and enjoyable film looking at some very dark themes and the condition of the human soul uh, Ellen Robert thank you so much for watching All About Eve with you're me you're welcome my pleasure and for those of you listening at home, thank you for listening in. Um, we've mentioned this for a couple of weeks now, but we're going to keep mentioning it because we think it will be good. If you are listening to us via the service of iTunes, uh, you can go on there and give us a star rating. Um, might I recommend five? Uh, if, if It helps us, actually, if you, if you do the star ratings there, um, get uh, a, a little bit more um, out there in the world. Um, traction traction that's the word yeah um i'm not I, I swear i'm not trying to move into your house become your personal secretary and then take over your life i just would like to share the podcast a little bit more around the world and um, so if you are listening to us via itunes please leave a review heck if you're listening to us on spotify or soundcloud or however you get the podcast you can leave reviews there as well um, we really appreciate your feedback. You can also give us that feedback over on Facebook for more direct uh, feedback, I guess. Just go to facebook.com. Does anyone ever type in facebook.com? I just realized I sound like an old man. Uh, you are an old man. I am an old man. <laughs> go to Facebook. Sometimes there's applications for that. Uh, go to Facebook and search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there. And of course, there is our Patreon. Just go to patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast for bonus material, uh, stuff that gets released a little bit extra and early, and helping us make decisions about the types of films we're going to watch. That's all available over at patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast. But that's all for this week. So until next time, goodbye. Farewell. Ta-ra. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.